Welcome to Guilty Treasures, a podcast about everything you ever loved and were afraid to talk about. I'm your host, Ann Kern. And I'm also your host, Emily Cardamus. And this week, our guest is Kate McNally, who's an internet friend of mine. We met on the internet. Uh, <laughs> we met via <laughs> via a topic that comes up later, um, the Gish scavenger hunt via the internet. <laughs> Don't actually remember the circumstances completely, but we were both on celebrity teams, which sounds like bragging, but is also true, and bonded over that, I guess. And she's a she's great fun on Twitter. <laughs> And also on this show. And she brought on the Nancy Drew interactive games to talk about, which made me think of just all of the like adventure game history that I have or both of Mm -hmm. us have. And I wanted to ask you, which this is a little tangential of what the actual topic is, but I wanted to ask you in your history of playing or or seeing adventure games played, regardless of which it is, uh, have you ever seen a puzzle that was just so infuriating? You were like, I get what you're doing here and I'm not going to do it. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, I think I more than once got to a certain point in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy game and never got past it. And I think that that is that is such a universal experience that I may not need to provide additional specifics. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think I think there was definitely, especially in the early adventure games, I I think there was a a weirdly antagonistic quality to the writing (laughs) that the game devs basically wanted you to suffer very, very playfully. They were but they were definitely enjoying it. It was sort of, you know, there was this humor component for sure that you were both sort of in on the joke, but it was it was definitely a little antagonistic. (laughs) I have a history of like playing uh, the Myst games with my brother and we played the first game entirely didn't use a walkthrough like hand wrote everything down like you know didn't even use our phones or anything and when we played Riven uh, we did the exact same thing like we weren't you know taking handwritten notes the whole time until we got to the fire marble puzzle Mm. which if you're not familiar for, for listeners out there it was basically you were earlier in the game provided a topographical map of the island of Riven and all these little lights, like all these locations of lights. And you were supposed to, on a gridded, like a hundred by 100, some absurd amount of grid <laughs> squares, put marbles into the locations where these lights were. And both of us looked at it and we were like, we appreciate what you're trying to do. Totally get it. Really clever. <laughs> We are looking up a walkthrough. <laughs> I am not sitting down and doing this. Yeah, see, I'm I'm old enough. There was not really a plan B. You were either you figured it out or you didn't, or potentially called the Sierra uh, 900 line, yes. Yes. <laughs> the tip line. But other than that, you were you were pretty much you had to figure it out or you just had to leave. You just had to physically <laughs> leave the room and never speak of it again. Yep, yep, yep. I think I think that was my brother's to some extent. My brother's experience with that puzzle, and he was trying to save me from a fate that he had. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which was that that uh, undying rage, basically. <laughs> I'm still mad at Stationfall. I will be mad at Stationfall probably <laughs> for the rest of my life. And I and it is a great tragedy that I apparently no longer have our copy of the game. But I think it's like, it's an interesting, like, not just like the anger we have at, at puzzles and games, but also just like that format of game is such an mm-hmm. interesting topic in general. And then to even drill it down deeper into like this series of games that was marketed towards young adult women that was based on this like series of teen cozy mysteries basically like there's something about it that is so unique and and like i think the conversation that we have and like the experience that kate has with it was like really kind of an intriguing look at a part of like game history that i don't think gets a lot of attention and also if hollywood happens to be listening to this we do discuss an idea later on which we definitely have the copyright to and we will sue you so we will tm, just as TM, an FYI. TM. Uh, but without further ado let's get to that conversation 
thank you for coming on the show. And if you can just introduce yourself like we talked about more, then. Sure. Uh, my name is Kate McNally. I am from Twitter, I guess, <laughs> is my occupation. I come from the internet and I'm going to talk to you, wanted to talk to you guys about the Nancy Drew computer games from her interactive software. So I don't know about Emily. I have never played these games. I vaguely know that they exist via a friend who was very excited about a new one coming. Uh, yes. And that was the first that I had ever heard of them that I can remember. Uh, have you Had you heard of them, Emily? I played one of them like a long time ago. And the only thing I remember is that I did a puzzle wrong and I blew up a dime. Okay. Uh, and that was like as far as I ever got in one of those games. But that memory is like seared into my brain because like I was like weirdly traumatized by certain video games as a child. And that was one of them. <laughs> they started producing these, I think, in like the late 90s, maybe. I didn't really come to them till, gosh, about 15 years ago, I think. They just released, I believe it's the 32nd or the 33rd game in the series. Wow. Which is just a ton. They've been doing about two a year for almost 20 years on and off. So they're all Nancy Drew and they're, they're all very formulaic. Nancy is called in to assist in some case. Somebody's disappeared or somebody has stolen an artifact or somebody has, I don't know, fallen overboard. And so <laughs> Nancy has to come in and go through just a bizarre series of puzzles and characters and settings and it's very point and click type of gameplay. It's mostly aimed at younger teens. They have a very strong fan base. They are not very well known outside that fan base, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, it, for there to be that many games and I've missed them, that's yeah. like being missed by a wrecking ball that was three feet from me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's impressive. Are they, um, so you said they're point and click. Are they like FMV? Are they art? What kind of, are they first person? Like, what's the, the visual look of these games? It's very first person. Uh, you don't ever see what Nancy looks like, which I think is both really important important and deliberate on their part. So you basically are navigating through whatever setting they've put you in. So some sort of haunted castle or haunted mansion or haunted boarding school or <laughs> haunted rustic lodge, haunted Parisian windmill. And as you are they exclusively see, haunted? <laughs> they all walk this very fine line between ghosts don't exist, but also this place is haunted. But at the end, it was secretly the backstabbing little sister the whole time. So when you're playing through the game, there's games, there's very much like ghosts appear and weird things happen and supernatural things happen. But it's all okay because ghosts don't really exist. And the supernatural is not going to get you because at the end, it reveals it was all a person who did this to scare someone. It makes me remember what I was like at, say, 12 years old, where I very much wanted to be scared by a ghost, but I didn't <laughs> want it to actually happen. <laughs> so they very much are aiming for that part of like a teen girl's kind of, this is so exciting and safe at the same time. Did you read uh, like Nancy Drew at all before you uh, found these games? Like, was it part of your like cultural like world before you found these games? Oh my goodness. Okay. When I was two years old, I taught myself how to read. 
And before I entered school at five, I had read every Nancy Drew book that our public library had several times. <laughs> I was so into Nancy Drew and I was into the Hardy Boys and I was into Trixie Belden and the Bobsy Twins. And what's the other one? Alfred Hitchcock's Three Investigators. Oh, I don't know yeah. if anyone's heard that be besides Yeah, me. I vaguely, I think I've seen one. I think I maybe came across like one of those in my library because that does sound very familiar. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're all kind of in the same vein of plucky teen or tween detectives solving mysteries in their small town, which is very much, I mean, reading that at like four years old, <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> I was pretty sure that's what's going to, what was going to happen to me when I grew up. And I was so disappointed when I, you know, no real life mysteries have ever needed me to step up and solve them. But I am ready. One of my parents' favorite stories about me is that um, I taught myself to read before I could fully talk. So I, I mispronounce words because I read them before I learned how to pronounce them. And from specifically the Nancy Drew books, uh, she drove a blue roadster convertible and i for the first you know 10 years of my life would say contrabile <laughs> oh my gosh that's so crazy because i had only i had never heard it said out loud i had just read it in a nancy drew book and uh like i can still remember in my heart what i thought when i was a little kid driving that blue convertible felt like a lot of books give me the same sense memories. Like I can remember what a little Sarah, Sarah and the little princess had her, her imaginary feasts. And I can remember what the food felt like it would taste like to me. Nancy Drew was just something I saw. I must've been at like a Best Buy or Circuit City or something. Or I saw the game for the first time and I immediately bought it. And that's how I fell into playing those games. Did you play other kinds of games that were similar or were you kind of exclusively a Nancy Drew game? for a while. Oh, no. I, I played every similar game. I remember playing, what was it called? It was called Hunt the Wumpus on a Tandy computer when I was eight. I played Myst. I played King's Quest. I played all of those Sierra games. They've kind of fell out of favor for a while with console games. And Nancy Drew, I found, was the closest that recreated that sort of exploration puzzle solving mystery that I was looking for in a game. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. I feel like Nancy Drew, I feel like there's another one out there too that like basically carried on this legacy of the adventure game when it completely went out of fashion. I feel like adventure games are starting to pick a little bit back up again um, in terms of like general popularity, but it's one of those things where everyone talks about like, oh, the golden age, like King's Quest and like, yeah. Dango and all those mm -hmm. like the LucasArts era of games and then um, just it completely falling off the map. But like the fact that Nancy Drew was out there basically still doing it but not being picked up by like any type of mainstream or I don't want to say mainstream. Any like just like the general like video game populace uh, is like so intriguing. It's very odd to me. I think that it's because it is aimed at tween girls that mm. it gets dismissed just out of hand by the larger gaming audience. It does suffer from some of the things that the, the King's Quest and Sierra and all those things that everybody loves suffered from, from like, if you do something wrong, your game's over. They've 
I think, fixed that since in the Nancy Drew series, but it's very much like save as much as possible because you don't know yeah. what you're going to have to go back to to complete a puzzle later on. Yeah. Can you die in the Nancy Drew games? Because I have a friend who's um, who's streaming adventure games like almost exclusively on Twitch and he is currently playing King's Quest. And you, I mean, you sneeze and you die in that game. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can make a fatal error is what they call it. Uh, so the one that I was replaying uh, to get ready for this call was something that you go into the barn of a man or you go into the basement sorry of a mansion and you're trying to move forward into a secret tunnel and a scythe falls on your head and then it pops up with the you have made a fatal error would you like to try again <laughs> and so then you try again and then you have to dodge out of the way for this actually there's achievements in the game and one of the achievements is finding all of the ways to die so you can die but you can't die permanently it just lets you come right back yeah and they they maybe they, it sounds like they smooth over the concept of, well, you've just been beheaded by <laughs> Yes. <laughs> this is try to make it a little nicer. You have at least you have gangrene now. <laughs> it's very much like like something blows up and, oh, nope, you get to rewind just five seconds before that happened and you get to dodge out of the way. It's again with the ghosts, it's very safe. It's very formulaic, I think, for a reason because I yeah. think that younger girls and younger women who are doing this maybe need that. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of like, I have a thought in my head about and i think you could argue most game most adventure games are very formulaic but i think with like when you recognize especially like a cozy or like a murder mystery or a mystery because i don't think everyone anyone ever died in a nancy drew booker game you know there was always like some weird thing happening what kept you coming back to the games even though you sort of knew you you sort of knew the beats already yeah yeah i kind of i can criticize the games but they're my games you know what i mean they kind Kind of worm this way into my heart and just they're very comforting they always at the end have a little trailer of which game and which settings coming up next so they used to do it like clockwork every summer every holiday season they release a game so to a year and you're kept you know looking forward to ooh, what's next is she gonna go to paris is she gonna go to italy what's gonna happen they started putting like an overarching story through the games and it, it didn't work it didn't catch <laughs> didn't catch on something about her mom being a secret secret spy coming back from the dead. And also the, the other major downfalls that the company itself is going through a whole bunch of structural changes. I was trying to look up something today, like right before this call, and I looked up on Reddit, someone had posted like four hours ago that the new Nancy Drew game had come out and the reviews are not good. They fired everybody and they didn't mm. put out a game for four years. They finally just this last release changed from the in-house game engine they had been using to unity it did not go well i <laughs> from what i've read i think it's just basically like i'm looking for puzzles and i'm looking for mystery and i don't get that a lot from a lot of console games like i love death stranding and i love gosh the witcher but they don't really have that kind of stuff that rewards inquisitiveness like i think probably the closest thing i can think of is either uh some uh zelda games have like sliding puzzles or logic puzzles breath of the wild had all those do this and then they do this and then they do this and you activate the shrine kind of puzzles resident evil games have some collect these statues and put all these statues in another statue and then the secret door opens and then but it, it, none of them had that kind of gameplay kind of puzzles as the 
the focus of the game. Uh, so I think it's a very comforting, easy, something that you know, some kind of formula that you're always going to come back to until maybe now with the missteps with this latest <laughs> one. Like, I don't know. If, I don't think that I will be playing this latest one, but I definitely have a soft spot for the games. And, and I think i uh, always really like them. Yeah, do you have a favorite installment in the series? Oh, gosh. I liked Shadow Ranch. I'm going to guess that all of them are called The Secret of Something. Uh, so The Secret of Shadow Ranch, which is, you know, a dude ranch that has, surprisingly, you have to put together a cake recipe is one of the things you <laughs> okay. have to find. And I have actually made that cake and it's decent. <laughs> it's a pretty good yellow cake. Like if you're going to make a birthday cake, that would be a really good recipe that I get from this Nancy <laughs> Drew game. So I liked that one. I liked... The Ghost Dogs of Moon Lake, I think, was a prohibition kind of speakeasy kind of history. There's always some historical subject that they focus on for each game, too. So this one was alcohol smuggling somewhere through the basement of the cabin of the lake that you're staying in like that kind of thing kind of like it has to be if it's got a great theme if it's got some interesting puzzles like that's it that's all you need for me i will more than happily spend you know eight or ten hours on the you know this game uh for children <laughs> you know trying to to click every single pixel that i think might come up with something do you have like a favorite kind of puzzle that you've encountered through these games oh gosh my personal favorite puzzle in the world is pick cross or nonogram puzzles they have a few different variations throughout the games that are really good. They're my favorites, and I'm good at them. And they don't really come up to the level that I would play it on on my own. But they are just my favorite kind of puzzles to figure out. I also like breaking codes, which they do a lot. They do a lot of, you have 10 buttons and you have to press them in an order. You don't know which order, so you have to just guess and then you guess the next one. And if that's correct, you know, you guess the third one. But if you guess wrong, everything resets. That's one of their favorites. Slider puzzles is another one. Oh, gosh. But type where you have to color in regions and you have like four colors, but each color can't touch another region of the mm -hmm. same color. Does that make sense? Yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah, those, it's, it's, so it's very like, I grew up on like Games Magazine and all that kind of stuff. So it's very much everything you'd find in one of those games. Yeah, I think the related question is, do you have a least favorite, either specific puzzle or type of puzzle, like the ones that just really make you want to flip a table? Yeah, there's, the one that irritates me the most is where, yeah, I know what you want me to do. And and I know that I have all the pieces to do it, but there's nothing in the game that says what the mechanics are to get the answer. Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of uh, universal hint system hints. If you're not familiar, you can just kind of drill down as far as you need the hint to go uh, before you get to the actual solution. It's very irritating to have everything that you know you need and have where you have to get the puzzle, who you have to talk to. You've done all of those things. There's one tiny little pixel on the screen that you did not press <laughs> yeah. uh, to finally complete everything and put everything together. And you can wander around for you know hours yeah, trying to figure yeah. out going to, to talk to everybody you, then you have to call your friends uh, that's another thing is that the that nancy has a cell phone and throughout the game you usually have either bess or george or the hardy boys or your boyfriend ned to call and bounce ideas off of except that occasionally it just won't let you progress if you haven't called them so and it's <laughs> always like you can call and if you're at a certain point of the game they won't give you any information so they can answer. They'd be like, howdy, Nancy. And you say, 
Goodbye. <laughs> and then you do it again. You can call, you know, five times in a row and it will be the same dialogue. Unless you call somebody else at a different time of the day or, you know, you go to sleep for three hours <laughs> in the game, then it will progress. And it's just, it's so just irritating in the right spots for me. It's reminding me a lot of, like, just because we were talking about, like, other puzzle games, it's reminding me a lot of, there's a specific puzzle in, I want to say King's Quest 4 or 5, I don't know which one it is, but it's like, if you don't give this, like, mouse a piece of cheese in the, like, beginning of the game, you can't actually beat the game. Like, it's this, it's like the most, like, it is, it is clearly, like, the first fourth of the game, and then you'll get all the way to the end, and it's like, oh, you've rendered the game unwinnable because you didn't do this one yes thing. exactly it's, it's giving me all those vibes there's those games there was specifically a sierra one maybe called gold quest that did the same thing i remember just sitting there getting so frustrated because you couldn't there is no way there's no way that you would know to do that instinctively. And there's no yeah. warning that, hey, you got to do this, otherwise you're going to screw up your game in 28 hours of playing. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody has that flashback moment. Yes. If you've ever played adventure games, you're, you're flashing back to some puzzle that you couldn't solve that was so obscure. <laughs> like I, I, oh I played gosh. a game called, a text adventure game called Station, and there was a puzzle at some point where I, I never got past it. Like, I may have to finish this as an adult to deal with this emotional <laughs> trauma. But like, like the the station was going to explode in a few minutes, and you're you're in this like hangar bay. Uh, I think it was a, a screwdriver, a sandwich, and a homicidal robot, and you have to figure <laughs> out like how to solve this puzzle before you explode. And I never did. Oh god, that is actually one of my pet peeves in any game. Is I think the new Laura Croft games do it, where you get pulled into a scene where you have like three seconds to press A, and then three seconds mm -hmm. to press B, and if you don't, then you're back mm -hmm. to three hours of saving a go and it's just so like it's it's not fun they're, they're games that feel more like work to me are just no fun i'm curious I, I think i'm considering like the sort of recent developments with the nancy drew games where you said like oh you might not play the new one but this game series is something that's like clearly so important to you so like have there been other games that you've played where you've gotten that same sense of like i know you mentioned like things like death stranding and all, all like that sort of stuff like doesn't scratch that itch but like are there games where you've had that moment of like oh this is that same feeling like in more in recent memory like not like revisiting something i've played the sims since it came out and i think they're up to the fourth version of the sims at this point and i think that every version has had that point for me where it gets to the point of okay you're so bloated with all of this stuff that i'm expected to do that it's just not i'm not having fun anymore i will not finish the majority of games that i start i will not finish the story because i get like 75 5% of the way through and I'm like, okay, well, I've done everything that the game has to offer except for two or three chapters before the final boss but the, i'm done like i've i've gone through all of your gameplay i've seen what you've had to say there's nothing in the story that's really getting me to a completion there's no reason to complete it because all games end the same pretty much i finished the witcher three i finished the story part of Death Stranding. But beyond that, I think that there's not, there are not a lot of games where I'm like, yeah, I have to play the story to the end. And I feel like Nancy Drew actually does that because they have a conclusion that you want to, it's very finite. It's linear and it's, you know, the end is the end and you're done. I feel that with like a lot of, um, there's no reason. It's more like, a, it's like a question that, that needs an answer. It's a different kind of storytelling, I think. Those sorts of mystery games than what you would typically expect from a story. 
story that maybe you respond to that differently? Yeah, exactly. I think that it's like Agatha Christie books, or it's like you said before, the cozy mystery feeling of, okay, you know exactly how much time you're devoting to this and then you'll be done. And you kind of know the beats of the story. And with video games that don't have something unique to offer me, I'll just, you know, I can just put the controller down and walk away from them and, you know, never, never open them again. And I'm fine with that. Do you find yourself more motivated in general by like, does the emotional experience of being stuck halfway through a puzzle and not finishing it, is that different than being stuck halfway through a story and not finishing it? Like, do you feel more pull to not leave an unsolved puzzle? Do they kind of eat at you? Yes. Yeah. I think definitely like, I think it's because it's got the basic formula of gaming down really well, which is like you have these little bite-sized goals and you don't have like an overarching 300 year monarch rule history <laughs> thing to solve. Go and fight that last dragon and then they'll tell you what happens for the next 25 years. Like that's not really interesting to me. If you go little tiny puzzle by puzzle, you know, kind of hopscotch through solving those, that's a lot more. Kind of gets me in the, the sweet spot there. When I was going to say there's something also very comforting about a story and a format that is kind of on rails. Yes. Like, mm. yeah. like every video game is on rails except like I guess maybe a purely open world game but like there's something very being like where, where you know the pacing of it and you know like Nancy's gonna get into some weird haunted house thing. <laughs> there will be spooky stuff happening and and I know how this will solve. It's, it's So it really is about the journey and not the destination in that regard. And the journey is filled with weird puzzles. Yeah exactly like I, I think that's why I really enjoy escape rooms because okay. it's got that same feeling the same of okay we're here we have to get to point B and I have these tools and that's you know I just have to figure out how they all go together it's the best way to immerse yourself in real life uh, in that kind of feeling is you know escape yeah. rooms man I just see clearly what we have to do is like fund some kind of escape room that's all video game based <laughs> you know, so we have like a Nancy Drew themed room and like a mist themed room like this is a great idea <laughs> like, i'm launching I, my kickstarter i have my reality tv show pitch and it is teams of escape room enthusiasts go through like a battle royale to see who can get out the quickest from the same room every yes. week I would definitely watch that. Yeah. I love this idea. Yeah. Like, hit me up. I get producer credit. Uh, <laughs> like, I want to make this happen so We do much. know somebody in game shows. We know someone who makes escape rooms. There we you go. Do. We do. Have, you have all the clues. Now we just have to Police. solve this puzzle, which is money. <laughs> yeah. The, I think this is a question that applies to escape rooms as well as it does to puzzles in a game like Nancy Drew. Like, So puzzles have kind of like a beginning a middle and an end right you have you're introduced to all of the pieces and you have that first moment of discovery you have the middle part where you're trying to figure it out and not flip your table over ideally and then you have the end when the pieces finally click and you and you solve do you have a part of that process that trips the most endorphins in your brain or is it kind of the complete process you think it's the complete process from beginning to end like say if i'm doing a jigsaw puzzle opening the box and getting out the pieces and getting the edges is as exciting to me as putting in that last piece. Like I said before about very definite, very achievable small goals, which is a completely different topic, which is the way people approach behavioral therapy is 
you know, give you these small goals to work towards and reward yourself when you get there. Like that's in the very basic gaming or even just like living your life. That's how you motivate people. So those kinds of feelings that encountering puzzles and being able to solve them, is that something that you seek in your real life outside of it being a literal puzzle? Like, do, do you think that there are any parallels that you try to find in, in the real world? I think absolutely. I thought that I wanted to be a librarian for a really long time time. I actually did background checks before I went to grad school for library school. I did background checks. So each person was like this puzzle that I had to figure out and then put all the information together and then send them off to the company that had hired me. So I think it definitely plays into like every aspect of my life. Like I want very small problems that I can fix within 45 minutes, but I want that like every day and I want it to all to be different. So if you can come across a career like that, please... (laughs) Besides, like, television detective, there's not a lot out there. So so you have not had any luck in your adult life coming into, I don't know, like a haunted lighthouse or something and needing to find a a cat? I don't know. (laughs) Let's see. I've been ghost hunting exactly once, and that did not do anything for me. I've applied to, oh gosh, there's a a couple of places. I actually applied to Her Interactive to write these games a few years back, and I did not hear from them. But um, I think... Things like, like I think Anne and I have both done Gishwas. That feels very much, at the best that Gishwas can be, it feels very much like here are problems you have to solve that seem insurmountable, but if you put all the pieces together, you can come up with, you know, something beautiful. Yeah, just real quickly for anybody who's listening who does not know what, what Gish is, even though I, we've both done it. I think, Emily, didn't you do it? You participated once? I, I did you once, know of but it. I, I wouldn't count it as a good uh, participation. <laughs> uh, but Gish is the, the greatest international scavenger hunt, which is a, a scavenger hunt started somewhat accidentally by the Misha Collins from Supernatural. That is a very, very strange scavenger hunt. So you have to do some extremely bizarre challenges, many of which either seem to be or potentially are actually impossible. So very, very strange things like not, not you know, find a guy in a red sweater kind of stuff. But, you know, uh, there was one there was one where you had to find an Olympic medalist who was willing to let you bite their medal or something like that. I know there were some very strange things like that. Throwing a bus into a volcano and you had to have video. So, I mean, certainly things that it, scavenger hunt does not make you think puzzle, but because they're so difficult and so complicated and to meet all of their requirements is so many steps, they really become very much like a puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, one claim to fame is that there's a picture of me on the People magazine site dressed in a dress that I made out of construction paper, like an <laughs> evening gown standing next to this fancy car that I, I sourced from um, my hometown and Gish you can't explain it to people. <laughs> it's very much like the, here's something impossible, go do it. And the people who say, yes, okay, I'll try, are the people who get the furthest in the hunt, I think. So I guess that kind of leads me into the question that I had on the back burner, which was this thought of, I mean, obviously you have a lot of emotional attachment to like Nancy Drew as like a property. How much of your attachment to these games do you feel like is based on like the puzzle solving and how much of it is like your attachment to the the character or like the world that 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 those games are in. I think that the character Nancy Drew was a gateway into the puzzle solving. Nancy Drew is so wholesome 
And so everything, you know, I'm solving this mystery, but nothing really bad ever happens. That it's just not very entertaining. When you're past perhaps a certain age, you know, I kind of graduated to Sherlock Holmes uh, pretty quickly. <laughs> but it just kind of, you know, Nancy Drew, the character gave me enough nostalgia that I got into these games. And then the way the games were designed kept me going through, gosh, 33 games. That was going to be my other question was, did, have you played all of them? I have played. I think that there are a two or three that I have not played for whatever reason and not any reason that I could, you know, explain. Just I miss them. Is it comforting kind of knowing they're out there too? Like that there's this box you haven't opened? I have. I literally have all the boxes. I have all the <laughs> CD-ROMs. They went through some very strange download policies. Um, but I do have, <laughs> I do have like 15 to 20 original cases currently sitting in a stack on my bedroom floor that I will probably never get rid of. I don't know if I'll play them again, but I am i don't know if I want to get rid of them either. It's something very wholesome of like this thing being a part of your life. And even if you don't go and revisit it, like it still is very important. It clearly defines a lot of like what your interests are in a lot of other areas too. Yeah. It's very much like this uh, building block of my approach to life, even just kind of like the, whatever comes my way, I'm going to handle it in tiny little bites. That's my outlook. I do actually want to ask completely unrelated to any or other bigger picture thing we've been talking <laughs> sure. about because i feel like these kinds of games can get pretty absurd is there any moment where it kind of went a little off the wall and you were like okay i guess i'm here for this now <laughs> i don't even know a good example uh of like what that might be but is there, was there any moment that just like sticks out to you as like being very memorable for for that kind of reason i think probably at least once per game there is one very odd moment where like i was playing the one the only one that's on iOS. It's called The Ghost of Thornton Hall. It's about a extremely Southern family who has lost their fortune and you have to go explore their island with their ruined mansion. You get down into the tunnels beneath the mansion that I could not even map. Like I don't know that it <laughs> It would exist on any actual kind of blueprint physically. For some reason, you're under the front porch listening to the boyfriend of the girl who is missing talk to his other girlfriend on the phone. And I'm just like, and Nancy's like, I'd better listen. And I'm like, yeah, do you think? Do you think that's what you should do? And then, like, there's, there's always a point like, okay, you've lived in the, the snowy fields of Wisconsin at this lodge for however many, you know, 20 years. And for 20 years, you've been pretending to be a Bigfoot. And it's just, it's just very, very odd. Like, I understand that, you know, 33 games later, you're going to run out of ideas. It's, a, it's like Christmas movies, you know, like Hallmark Christmas movies always have something just very odd mm. about them that would never, ever happen in real life. But you, you're watching that movie, so you're just going to go with it. It's, it's like the, the toll that you pay for the comfort of the tropes, I think. Yeah. Um, that kind of reliability yeah. of it. But then, you know, they had to throw something weird in there and it, it tends yeah. to be very, very weird to try to counterbalance what would otherwise seem kind of predictable. Yes. And I, I kind of, I'm warming up to this question now because I realize I kind of live for that because I watch a lot of horror movies. <laughs> Every single horror movie that comes out has to top the one before it. There's only yeah. so many, you know, wells little girls can come out of before <laughs> it starts getting just ridiculous. And the more ridiculous the premise, the more I am there for it. So big leprechaun in space fan then? Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh my god yeah like the worst like jason in space leprechaun in space what was the one i just watched was uh as above so below where they're in the paris catacombs and they accidentally break through the door to hell and i'm like yes 
yes, this is fantastic. This movie is finally getting good. <laughs> I think especially with like the future of this series and, and how it's connected to your life, uh, studio issues aside, like, is there something that you want to see out of this series that you haven't seen yet? Or is there something that like you might be looking forward to in the future with like a, like a game coming out? You know, I used to think about where it would be interesting to set games. And I did this with escape rooms too, like think about interesting themes or interesting places that I haven't seen yet. I don't know if she's ever gone to Africa. I don't think that she's gone to Mexico. It's just kind of like the the, the setting. I don't know if I would be interested in having them ported to console, but I would be interested in getting more of them on iOS. I think that actually if they were able to port it smoothly or more smoothly than the one I have played so far, they would be a good um kind of a, a mobile gaming kind of fit so you've had you've had a history with nancy drew and this is kind of like these games are sort of the second chapter of that history after having found the book so i was just wondering have you been watching now that there is a new cw produced nancy drew series in which the ghosts appear to be real from what i can Wait, tell from the trailers real? i haven't seen any of it yet, but i i happened to catch a a trailer in which a character was saying like i got possessed and now we've got to fight this ghost or something fight a demon or something something i was like wait what <laughs> so i watched a lot of pretty little liars and it feels kind of like the same thing to yeah. me i have i know that there's a new show i haven't seen anything about it uh, i haven't even seen a trailer for it i feel like the cw is a little bit not gritty enough for me at this point <laughs> <laughs> like i'm really like i am really into like game of thrones so mm -hmm. at this point like i don't know how much wholesome tv i can take <laughs> but it is i would give it a shot at some point i pretend to have standards i do not have standards i'll watch anything that comes on so probably <laughs> it looks it looks wild it looks a little bit like a uh a supernatural nancy drew crossover with a little bit of riverdale thrown in um it, it looks extremely cw i would say <laughs> for better or for worse it's like every cw show like on paper that sounds like it should be attractive to me but if i start watching it mm -hmm. i just ugh. but i did watch you know 12 seasons of supernatural so <laughs> you know i can't i can not make any promises <laughs> well, and I also think there's sometimes there's like, we ask different things of different forms of media. Mm -hmm. So like what works for a video game might not work for like a TV show or a book or anything like that. It's really weird how like format and I think and I think that links a lot into like you, you said a lot of your draw to these games was like the puzzles and stuff. And you can't really physically solve a puzzle from a TV show. You can like solve a mystery maybe, but there's not that like satisfaction you get because you're a passive viewer. So I, I think that's like, like I and, and Grant and I'm I'm drawing a conclusion, but just because that's how I like view video games a lot. It's like you get to be actively a part of the mystery and and like the solving of the thing. Yeah. Um. Oh gosh, who was I? I was I think Adel Rafai was just talking about Lost. Mm -hmm. Somebody was talking about Lost on one of the podcasts I listened to about how <laughs> was the first TV show to do that. Like if you'd go to like their made up company websites, They'd, they would have websites that they made up for, you know, specifically for the TV show. And it was what, like that kind of feels people could do more with that in terms of solving puzzles yeah. or introducing yeah. a mystery. It just hasn't been done to the best it could be done yet. 
I think, as a civilian. (laughs) Yeah, I would say that the patented J.J. Abrams puzzle box approach to television, the problem with it is is that that's an approach for game design, and it's not necessarily a good approach for narrative fiction. So you kind of need the kind of people who can meet at that intersection for it to work. It can be incredibly effective and engaging, which is why there have been some really, really good alternate reality games, but you have to have the right kind of person and the right kind of audience. And I think generally, if you try to engage with fiction as if it's a puzzle box, even if there are mysteries being presented, it almost always ends in disappointment. And I know this is a problem because I do this with television and I've had to learn not to. Yeah. yeah. Um, the most frustrating thing to me when watching like a TV show or a movie is um, when you're trying to solve a puzzle that never existed in the first place. You you come up with your fan theories, but three episodes later, you they just drop it completely. And it's just the most <laughs> irritating thing. I'm sorry that I expected your show to have layers and it doesn't <laughs> you know which is not you know a knock on any particular show it's just you know i get that a lot where i try to extrapolate something sinister going on beneath the surface that just never existed to begin with it's hard to turn off that part of your brain that assumes that there is a puzzle to be solved whether there is one or not yes i am constantly you know having to to walk myself back from that you know i kept a notebook on my neighbors when i was a child uh because harriet the spy <laughs> did it so it's kind of hard to uninstall that part of yourself, you know? So typically what we ask people is like, how would, like, even though the show's kind of in a way like a conversation in an elevator pitch about the topic you're bringing, like, we ask people to be like, if you had to elevator pitch Nancy Drew games to somebody, but like in a couple sentences... You know, how would you communicate to someone like, hey, give this a shot? Without any prior knowledge of the person uh, or their experience with gaming, uh, I would have to say it's an entertaining introduction to a world of gaming that you might not know exists. But if you seek it out, you can, you know, if you want something beyond Nancy Drew, there's a whole world of stuff beyond Nancy Drew that you can look to. This is the entry point for someone who does not game. And I think that the original slogan for uh, her interactive was, remember, please, that it was 1995 and uh, we were about, you know, girl power. It's for (laughs) girls who were not afraid of a mouse. At the time, that was extremely important to people, you know, to get girls into computer science. And, you know, the developments over the last few years have, have been, I think that, that, that their misstep was losing sight of they wanted to get younger girls into playing computer games and not so much, you know, making money off those computer games was kind of the second thing they wanted to do. Yeah. And it might have might have flipped. So I don't know. I don't know. Who can say? And do you have some kind of... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a little hard because I think I'm I'm now distracted by the, the possibility of the, the games that you mentioned earlier, which I now really want. So I'm trying not to think about that instead. But um, I think my question is that, you know, murder mystery weekends have become a really big thing or a popular thing. It seems like in recent years, if you could do the Nancy Drew game experience in real life, do you have an ideal setting or scenario you would like to participate in? You get to be the star of this game, but in the real world? I feel like that would be, I keep saying about escape rooms that my idea is to get one where you do it for like four hours and you go into a sort of like an abandoned mansion and you have, you know, the escape room experience, but the story is bigger and the puzzles are bigger and the setting is bigger. And I think that is kind of what I'm looking for, for the Nancy Drew experience. Like, I think that would dovetail nicely, but you know, I just want to explore an abandoned mansion. Is that too much to ask? (laughs) 
man, let's get a flashlight and a dog and then get on our bikes and go down to, you know, to the, the old scary mansion on the hill. Why why stop at an escape room when you could have an escape mansion? I know. Kate, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this with us. This was a delight. Thank you so much for having me. I love this show. I love that you all love loving things. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Where can people find you on the internet or if there's anything you want to plug? Uh, this is your space, so please feel free to use it. Sure. I am on Twitter at Katie Mick, K-A-T-E-E-M-I-C-K. I do want to say if I can say hi to my cousin's girls, Gwen and Morgan, because when they heard I was coming on a podcast to talk about something I loved, they said, why don't you talk about us? <laughs> and I said, oh, they're four and seven. Oh so. my gosh. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> Very sweet. But yeah, that's come see me on Twitter. Come, um, we'll argue about puzzles and et cetera. Well, thank you again. Yeah. Thank you for doing this. You're so welcome. Thanks for listening to Guilty Treasures. You can follow us on Twitter at TreasuresCast. If you have questions or comments, you can hit us up over there or via our email, which is guiltytreasurescast at gmail.com or send us a custom nonogram to solve containing your thoughts. If you have a moment, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. And if you like the show, tell a friend or call one of your teen detective friends to get some help on a case and then also tell them about the podcast. Until next time, let the dragon in your heart be happy. Welcome to Guilty Treasures, a podcast about everything you ever loved and were afraid... Hmm, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> afraid to talk about. I think I started thinking about something else like partway through that word. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to try that again because I was watching I was watching bleed and weird noises that my mic is picking up. All right, I'm, I'm just going to start over. I feel like you're going to blackmail me with that now. Damn it. I might. All right.